everybody. Andy Hamilton of Track Wrestling coming to you from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum in Waterloo, Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by my man down south, David Miracatani, coming to you from St. Louis. Welcome back, David. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. How's everything in St. Louis? For me, it's normal, man. We ran all those events and had to settle everything up. We're trying to find the final amount we raised for the charity, but kind of getting back to the nine to five, which is nice. It's it's nice to be in the host city, but it's nice to get back to where you get to six or seven hours of sleep a night too. That's not terrible either. So, Card- Cardinals and, in first place. That's yeah, are you Cardinal? Are you a Cardinal fan? The magic number is one hundred and sixty-one. So, yeah, it's been a fun sports time here. You know, watch the you know the Final Four in basketball. Watch UConn women get upset. Um, got a chance to do two really cool Matt Chat interviews with those two referees, uh, Pete Mankiewicz and Mike Haggerty. And I, I thought those guys were great. They shed a lot of light on how they look at the things at the Nationals. And I, hopefully a lot of people get a chance to listen to it because I thought they were really, really good. Yeah, those are up on track wrestling now. We got a couple more on the way um, that you want to check out as well. Grandview coach Nick Mitchell, whose team absolutely obliterated the field at the NAIA championships, 234 and a half points, 12 All Americans, ridiculous, ridiculous numbers that Grandview uh, put up this year en route to its sixth straight NAIA title. Uh, Terry Brands, round two with Terry Brands um, coming up later this month on Matt Chat as well. Uh, I know you're um, lining up interviews for weeks to come as well. Lots of great stuff. That's one of my favorite things each week is getting that in my email inbox, getting a chance yeah, to listen to that before we put it up. Nick was awesome. He, they've only been there nine years. That's what's crazy. And they've won it six times. And, like, he was talking about when they had a down year and took fifth. And I was just laughing. I was like, you know, um, it, he was great. He's really a, a humble guy. I've known Nick. One of the guys on his staff actually wrestled, you know, for me at Merrimack. Shout out to Quentin Haynes. But they've uh, they got it rolling there. And then Terry was awesome. And, you know, um, I would never get those in, that interview without your relationship with him. So I really appreciate it. But I know folks really enjoy listening to him. And, talked a little bit about the Corey Clark match and him getting thrown and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was fun. It was, uh, they were both fantastic. So we got some other guys lined up and, um, you know, I'm working on, on some, some big things. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get some, some people that are in wrestling, but not as, uh, direct as you might think. I, I've gotten some good ideas from some people that we're going to work on. So hopefully it'll be great this summer. Clinton Haynes, he's a Waterloo East guy right here. Hey. In he was quarters of my he wrestled, so uh, he wrestled for my guy Willie Getz, and that's how I recruited him. So, uh, yep, yeah, for sure. And and you know one of the things that was interesting about um, the, the Nick Mitchell interview, uh, and I thought it was it was fascinating to hear how he had to let go, or 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 not let go, but but keep a guy out of his lineup. The first year they were trying to win a national title. Um, if I'm not mistaken, a returning All American, right? That he kept out of his lineup. Said. Yeah. Um, not knowing if he was ever going to win a national title at that point, but doing what he felt was the right thing. And, uh, you know, he talked about how that move has just paid off in, in spades going forward. Um, but uh, certainly 
uh, incredible things taking place at Grandview. Um, so uh, that's one you're not going to want to miss. That'll be up uh, later this week, uh, Friday, I think. Um, but uh, we have we have tons to talk about today. Um, the coaching carousel uh, spinning around, as always, in, in April. Um, we're going to yeah. look back at uh, some interesting numbers from the NCAA championships and a look ahead to what some of the top teams have coming back in 2018. So we'll start with the buzz and major things happening on the assistant front in Ames. A wave of former Hawkeyes making the migration <laughs> west and a little bit north uh, a couple hours. Uh, yeah. Brent Metcalf on his way to Ames. Mike Zadick and Derek St. John sticking with Kevin Dresser, making a move from Virginia Tech uh, to Iowa State. Let's start with that one, David. What were your thoughts when you heard the news of, that uh, St. John, Metcalf, and Zadick were going to be joining the staff in Ames? Honestly, like the most immediate reaction was when he called those guys oranges and like, man, this is going to get heated quick. Um, I think Iowa, Iowa State is when they're both good in that rivalry, it's good for wrestling. It's kind of like Duke and North Carolina and basketball and, you know, like Cardinals Cubs, you know, like um, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, I don't know those guys on that staff probably like you do. I'm sure you have a much better like real relationship with those guys, but as a person, I know you have a great relationship with Zadik. Um, but I think it's really interesting, and it's, you know, people love winning. Winning winning covers up everything. So I don't think, you know, Iowa State went the route where they were only hiring ex-Iowa Staters. And you know Dresser, when they hired him, he had a plan of who he was going to get as assistant. So I think that's really it, I, they've got talent in that room. I mean, a couple of those recruits left, but, you know, a lot of them stayed. And then they have kids like Store and, you know, some of the other kids that are already there, Dante Rodriguez and, you know, Danny Vega. I mean, they've got talent in the room. I mean, I, I certainly don't think they're going to be a top-five team next year, but I think they're a lot closer to being a top-five team than, than they were 30 days ago. And they've got guys on that staff that have won at a big level. Metcalf's obviously, you know, a legend. Kevin Dresser's a, you know, renowned for his organization and his relentlessness in recruiting. And you've told me that you think St. John's one of the one of the toughest guys you've ever seen wrestle. That that can only bode well for that program. So I, I, I'm excited. I think it'll be cool to see how it shakes out. Yeah, and and I was just uh, about an hour ago did a. Uh radio show in Des Moines, KXNO radio. They had me on talking about it. They uh, also had Dresser, going to have Kevin Dresser on um, later tonight. Uh, it'll probably be up online somewhere if, if you want to search that out. Uh, Sports cool. Fanatics, Chris Williams and Ross Peterson, my guys down in Des Moines, a little shout to them, but they were going to... Nice. They've been talking a lot of wrestling lately, and uh, they're going to have those guys. Uh, they had, they, they're going to have Kevin Dresser on. and We, we talked about, um, you know, just how fast a, a turnaround can occur. And, and uh, um, you know, one of the things I said is, you know, in this day and age, it can happen faster than, probably than ever before. I mean, look at how many freshmen are winning at a That's high right. level now. That's right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, as you alluded to, it's not like they're starting with a bear cupboard. It's, it's, you know, Ian Parker and, and Canaan store and Vega and, you know, go up, on, up and down the list. I mean, what they have like five guys win Fargo titles here. Yeah. Um, last summer, something like that. And, uh, yeah. 
So, uh, you know, they're not starting from scratch, and I know this. Um, you know, you look back, um, Kevin Dresser uh, rebuilt the, the Virginia Tech program from, uh, from the ground up after Tom Brands left. Um, you look at it from the other end of things, and when, when Iowa came up here, Metcalf was a instrumental figure, um, not just with what he did on the mat in competition, um, but the way he trained. And when you get to your, one of your most talented guys is one of your best examples, too. Things can really take off in a hurry. And and that's what we saw happen in Iowa City when Brent Metcalf came back and, um, you know, Hawkeyes reeled off three titles in a row uh, with with him in the lineup. Um, of course, there were a lot of others involved in that, too. Mike Zadick was, was part of that um, from a coaching standpoint. So, you know, I do know this. These guys are not going to lower their standards. They're not going to settle for um, just being contenders. You know, Mike um, Zadick talked today in the news conference in Ames about, uh, you know, people are asking about Iowa, and he, and he wanted to talk about Penn State because that's that's the gold standard right now, and that's <laughs> – yeah. That's no, that's good. where they want to get. So I, I, I do think that the, um, the rivalry is, is, you know, there's going to be energy um, and, and intrigue surrounding that dual meet like there hasn't been probably since, oh, I would say 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. So uh, um, that thing's going to be burning hot here again. And, and that uh, it's good for wrestling when, when all three in-state Division One programs in Iowa are good i mean there's just uh such passion for wrestling in this state and and uh it's been lacking a little bit just because we haven't had that marquee uh in-state dual meet rivalry like like there had been you know 10 years ago so yeah there's there's um, some tangents from there that are really interesting one is that the rumor is that dressers already raised like three quarters of a million dollars and that if that's true or even close to that that's amazing um, the second thing is all three, all four of those guys on that staff, you know, and Dresser's a little older than me, but I remember watching him wrestle. Those guys all were really relentless with how they wrestled. And I think you'll see it, uh, those that will bleed into those guys' style. And the third thing is, I guess there's really four things. The third thing is those guys made a lot, they're getting paid well, which is great for wrestling everywhere. And I guess the last thing is if you're a recruit in Iowa and you're good, that's probably good because there's another really good option, and it means that the other schools will probably have to give you a little bit more more money to get you to come. So the recruiting battles are going to be really interesting with guys like Teske and some of those other kids coming out now, you know, and and that's where you make your hay, obviously signing these blue chippers and developing them. So it'll that'll be a really cool storyline to follow with all that. Absolutely. That's going to be – you know, the recruitment of Brody Teske um, is certainly going to be fun to follow here over the course of of the next, uh, what are we, in April right now? So next seven months, um, if, if he signs in the fall. Uh, looking at a guy that, uh, you know, I know, you know, just some background on him for those that, that might not know. He's, he's an undefeated three-time state champ in Iowa in the largest classification car, uh, cadet Fargo finalist uh, last year. Um, just a uh, super talented kid that uh, uh, wrestles extremely hard and extremely fast-paced. And, and Virginia Tech was recruiting him prior to Zadik and Dresser and those in St. John. You know, they they had formed relationships with him. They were recruiting him at Virginia Tech. 
Um, you know, Northern Iowa was after him. Iowa uh, now with, uh, you know, the defection of Gavin Teasdale, backing out of his commitment, going back to uh, staying in state in Pennsylvania and going to Penn State, leaves Iowa <laughs> in the market for a little guy again, too, to, to pair up with Spencer Lee. And so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, you know, that, that storyline develop. Uh, like I said, over the course of, of the next seven months. And so, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of Virginia Tech, um, exciting stuff happening down there with yeah. Roby. Uh, yeah, my Tom guy. Arrow on the move. Um, yeah. Frayer on the move. Uh, Tony Roby lands two Olympians uh, to, to go on his staff. Um, <laughs> certainly a different style of wrestlers, you know, too. I mean, you got uh, Molinero, who's, who's a guy that's physical and, and uh, you know, you know, relentless, and and then you got Frayer, a guy that that has you know such good upper body stuff and chest, you know, chest locks, and and uh, really good in a lot of different positions there. And um, you get a guy from from Penn State that knows what's going on within the Penn State room there, and Molino, yeah. and a guy that uh, and Frayer that that's been around. He's seen uh, Iowa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, um, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard that news come out? Well, my original thought about all this is, man, I got four or five great Matt Chad assistant coach interviews coming up this summer and fall with all these guys. Um, it was interesting because I heard about it right when opening night was going on here, and they talked about how when the Cardinals signed Dexter Fowler from the Cubs, one of the things they did was they asked him how Joe Madden and the Cubs kept it so fun. And I'm guessing that's, like you mentioned, Molinero's a guy – you know, who's developed after his his career. Like, he wasn't the favorite to win the Olympic trials. He wasn't, you know, he, he kind of qualified through, I don't want to say the back door, but at the last minute when some of these guys popped positive. And then, you know, he's one point away from being a, a bronze medalist. And, you know, and he's and you can you listen to him, he's a guy of faith. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of value there. And um, you know my relationship with Tony Roby and what I think of him. And, it feels like it's a win-win. It feels like Iowa State got a lot better bringing those guys over and adding Metcalf. And it feels like, you know, Roby gets to have his own crew. You know, he gets the guys that are 100% committed to the the Virginia Tech being led by Tony Roby. So it feels like it's really good for both programs, and I couldn't be happier for, for Tony for sure. Well, David, you uh, did some research and found some stuff out there, some interesting numbers. Um, from NCAA championships, I know, like, uh, you know, you're you're a big stats guy, and uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, kind I of a nerd. You, <laughs> <laughs> kind of let you uh, have the floor here, and and just you know, share some of the interesting numbers that you found coming out of the NCAA yeah. championships. Yeah, there's a gentleman named Mike Haymaker that puts out this this basically white paper, and so um, just just some of the notes because, you know, nationals are starting to get in the rearview mirror, but of the 76 schools that have wrestling, 69 actually qualified a guy. Seven schools obviously did not. Um, of the 330 guys who qualified for the tournament, 49 were from Pennsylvania, 32 were from Ohio, 29 from Illinois, 29 from New Jersey, 20 from California. So it shows you that Shockingly, Penn State and Ohio State were one and two, and they have the best in-state wrestling. Um, it also shows you that, you know, 
Illinois and New Jersey, can, if they can keep those kids in state, can probably do better, and that there's a bright future for Fresno if they can do the same thing. Um, in terms of All-Americans, the Big Ten had 36, the Big 12, 11, ACC, 9, the MAC, 8, EIWA, 7, and then the EWL, Pac-12, and SOCON each had three. And I won't go through all these, but of the home state All-Americans, again, Ohio had 10, Pennsylvania 8, Oklahoma 6, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, New Jersey with 5. But there were, there were uh, looks like about 25 states, home states, that actually had an All-American. Okie State had the most All-Americans with 8. I think most people probably realize that. In terms of qualifiers, the Big Ten had 90, EIWA, which probably people don't realize, had the second most with 52. The MAC was third with 45, Big 12, 43, ACC, 33, Pac-12, 27, EWL, 21, SOCON, 19. Of the kids that qualified, 59 freshmen, 78 sophomores, 88 juniors, and 105 seniors. So, and, we, and you know, I've told you that I'm working on the preseason rankings. You've got 225 qualifiers already back plus all the red shirts, plus all the recruits. So it feels like the Nationals are going to be really, really deep again. Um, this guy really did a great job of breaking this down. In terms of winning percentage by conference, the Big Ten, 5, 597, and everybody else was below 500. Big 12, 479, MAC 468, EIWA 434, ACC 485. Pac-12, 447, EWL, 447, and the SOCON, 379. Um, and I'm not going to break it down here, but they have the list of how every single school did. So, for example, like um, Penn State was 35-6 and six in their 41 matches. Just, I guess, if you look at the top three, Ohio State was 28-13, and 13, and Oklahoma State was 38-20. and 20. So they had the most matches. They actually had more wins than Penn State. What was interesting is Penn State had five majors, seven pin, or nine techs, and seven pins. If you compare that to Penn State, uh, Oklahoma State, they had five majors, zero techs, three pins, and Ohio State had 11 majors, five techs, and two pins. So Penn State just killed them on bonus points, which they didn't need it this year, but in another year they might. Um, and then there's one other thing in here I told you about. I just want to, there's a list of there's seven kids that never won a state title or a national prep title that went on to be all Americans. Scotty Parker from Lehigh, Theobald from Rutgers, Coaster from South Dakota State, Walsh from Ryder, Drew Foster from UNI, Jacob Casper from Duke, and Denzel Dejernet from Appalachian State. So, I just thought that was cool that those kids, because you, know, you think you have to be a three- or four-timer, and it's pretty impressive. And then they, this one says here that 50 All-Americans are back, plus the red shirts. And um, they also just talk about how many points are coming back. You know, Ohio State's got all their points back. Penn State has all but four of their points back. Oklahoma State has 85 points back. So... Just some interesting nerd numbers, um, you know, because we're always we're on to the next thing, like recruiting and all that stuff. But this guy just does an unbelievable job, so it, it, it's it's cool to kind of break all that stuff down. I think. Yeah, tell tell 
the audience again where they where they can find all this. It's uh, it's just at a website called wrestlingreport.com, and that, you know if you're out there trying to do research like I am and try to sound semi-intelligent on these podcasts, you know you're looking for stuff. And I tripped over this a couple of years ago, and I just wait for it every year, and the guy comes out and he does a great job. And um, you know I always save it with my copy of the brackets, especially now that we're going to do preseason rankings. It, it's it's a cool look at things. So um, yeah, wrestlingreport.com, and the guy's name is Mike Haymaker. 58 matches for Oklahoma State. And looking at this, Iowa was second with 47. And I think Nebraska was like, uh, no, Minnesota was third with 42. Just the sheer volume of matches that Oklahoma State had. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, That's what happens when you qualify 10, right? Yeah. And, and they have <laughs> yeah, eight all Americans. Yeah. 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 But uh, almost averaging six matches per guy, that's, that's incredible. Um, the other thing that uh, one of the numbers that also jumped out at me, just looking at this real quick, um, you know, California with, with uh, 20 qualifiers. Right. Uh, I, I suspect that that number is going to go up with, uh, with Fresno State being, being out there. And, I, I, you know, another Division One option for these guys. And, um, we had the uh, USA Wrestling Folk Style Nationals here in Cedar Falls last weekend, and, and California kids just lit it up. Um, yeah, they crushed it, you know, right? Eight, eight champs, four four champs in the cadets, four champs in the juniors, couple California versus California finals. Um, just uh, California kids were really super impressive. Uh, the the best of the bunch, at least at this point, Anthony Mantonona. Uh, Oklahoma bound, uh, probably the the um, most top heavyweight in the tournament, at least. Uh, uh, you know, 170 pounds in the junior division. He had Marcus Coleman, who's headed to Iowa State, um, five versus six in the national rankings. Matt Nona pinned him in the first period. Uh, yeah. Five matches for Anthony Matt Nona, four pins in a tech fall in the finals. Um, certainly a super talent that's heading to Norman and, and a guy that uh, is going to be in the running for a triple crown this year. I mean, he's a, he's a returning Greco champ. He's got great skills on his feet. And so he's one third of the way there and he'll be a, a serious contender to, uh, to win both styles in Fargo as well. And he was originally an Iowa state recruit. Yep. Yep. And, you know, and there was, you know, he took a visit and then, you know, they released him and, you know, he beat, Coleman and Coleman actually wrestled in border brawl and Coleman's going to Iowa state. So I mean, some interesting yep. storylines there as well. Yeah. It's going to be the start of a big 12 rivalry. I think a pretty good one. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, David, you uh, also crunched some numbers and, and took a look at, uh, you know, what some of the top teams have coming back and you want to take a run through those. Uh, what do you, yeah, want thought, you want to do five teams yeah, this week? Yeah, we'll just do five. And, you know, this is more like, I guess, really, I look at it the way you and I are, we'll just talk about it and kind of see where we agree and get a consensus. Because I think, you know, you have an idea generally, like, oh, this team might be better or worse. But, um, you know, this maybe puts a little more, you know, quantification to it. So if you look at, you know, we'll start with Penn State. They scored 146.5 points. And the way I measured this was, if I thought a team was going to, if a kid was going to, or the weight was going to score 
more than three points different than last year. Then I gave him a, a green, you know, or, or a plus. It was about the same. I gave him a yellow, and if I thought they were going to drop, it was a red. So I have Penn State with three greens and seven yellows, no reds. The yellows, I have Rutherford, Nolf, Vincenzo, Hall, and Nickel. And then Nick Nevels, and he might bump up a spot or two, but just kind of looked on who's coming back and Kuhn and those guys. It looks like these guys can all, you know, pretty much score close to the same points. Um, I, I had 141 being about the same. I think, you know, either Nick Lee or Cade Moss can score at least, you know, two to four points. But I have them getting major upgrades at 25. They can't score less than they did at 25 or 33. And they have a kid that beat the national champ at Suriano. They have Cortez, who's really good. And I also have McCutcheon as a big plus because it looks to me like 97 really clears out and that he'll probably end up on the podium, which is a significant upgrade from four points. So what do you think of that evaluation? Yeah, I think uh, I think you're, you're pretty close on all of it. I mean, certainly, uh, yeah, obviously, they're going to – spike up in a big way at 125 and 133 um, from, from not scoring any points there. Uh, you know, certainly a title contender at 25, an All-American threat at 33 if Cortez stays at 33. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, uh, there's been a little little chatter about maybe he might go up to 41. Uh, nonetheless, what, whatever happens there, um, Penn State's certainly going to be in better shape uh, at, at the lightweights, and and then you, you know you look at the you know Murderers Row from '49 you know through '84, all returning national champs, and um, those guys don't look like they're they're letting their foot off the pedal, and and uh, uh, certainly a great environment right now that they have in their room, and and you know there's no reason to believe that that they're gonna they're gonna lose any ground there um, now. You know, you're going to have some guys that, at some of those weights, 65, 74 in particular, that are probably pretty hungry coming back. Uh, right. Isaiah yeah. Martinez, um, you know, Massa, uh, um, you know, Zahid Valencia, Anthony Valencia. Um, you know, you, you can rattle off a dozen yeah. names at those two weights. Bo that, Jordan, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, to, to – you know, write it in in permanent ink that that they're gonna oh, step yeah, up their for sure score forty five <laughs> points, forty five and a half points. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, it's gonna take a a heck of an effort to beat any of those guys next year, and and it's it's gonna take a good wrestler having a good day, you know, to I, yeah to step up I, and I, beat any of those five. And I think what you say is like, look, even if maybe Vincenzo or Hall say they both take second or third, which, you know, they could wrestle great and it still happened. There's really good guys at that weight. Certainly Zane and Nolf and Nickel feel like they've separated themselves from the field. But even if those other guys fell off a little bit, it feels like the Suriano points and then the points at 33, 41, and 97. I guess the bottom line is it feels like Penn State's going to score probably at least 146 points again. So... You know, that's kind of the preamble. Like, if you want to beat them, you're going to have to catch them. They're not going to fall back to you. So, you know, if you go to Ohio State, they have some interesting options here. I mean, there's rumblings that Tomasello would drop to 25. I left, in terms of doing the evaluation, I left Rodriguez at 25 and Tomasello at 33. But if they drop Tomasello to 25 and put Pletcher in at 33, 
you know, those combined weights would be, I think, significantly higher than they were this year where they scored 18 points. I think they could score like 25 to 30. Um, Keyshawn Hayes will probably pop in at 41, and he's really good. That's just a hard, hard weight. It's super deep, so I kind of have him as, as an even. Micah Jordan as an even. I have them getting significant points better at 57 and 65 just because they didn't score anything at 57, so you would think they can find somebody better. They have Tishon Campbell coming in at 65, which is a major upgrade. And then, you know, Bo Jordan, I have him kind of being even. Um, and Miles Martin will come in as the preseason number two, so I have him as an upgrade. Colin Moore is the preseason number one, which is an upgrade. And then Snyder is an even because you can't do better than first. But what's interesting about their lineup is wherever Tomasello is, he's going to be ranked in the preseason number two in the country. Jordan's going to be two. Martin's going to be two. And Moore and Snyder are number one. They have five top two guys. In most years, you're like, man, that team is going to win it by 20 points. And right now, they're 35 points behind Penn State. So, did, did I get incredible. close on this one, or what do you think? That's incredible. No, I, I, I think the, uh, yeah, that's going to be certainly interesting to see what they do with with 25, 33, and 41. How those puzzle pieces fit together. Um, you know, the addition of Tishon. Uh, Campbell uh, solidifies a weight where they, you know, one of their weaker weights this year. Um, I think, you know, the, the key for Ohio State is going to be what it what it was, uh, you know, at the Big Ten Championships, and that's, um, you know, finding a way to, to outpoint Penn State at at ten weights, you know, rather than trying to beat them on on individual power, um, just the. Uh, you know, looking at it like they did at Big Ten, so Ohio State scored at 10 weights, and they um, wrestled at or above their seed at 10 weights. Now, that was a key for them because they weren't going to beat – you weren't going to beat Penn State uh, um, on bonus points or, or individual star power. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be critical for, you know, for, for Ohio State to, to have a big performance from a guy like Keyshawn Hayes. You know, to get a guy like that on the stand, to get, um, you know, those top – or those first two guys high on the stand, um, T.J. Yeah. Campbell. 65 is pretty deep, but is that a guy that, that can thrive in that environment? You put him in in the Ohio State room where you got Bo Jordan to roll around with and, and you know, Miles Martin and, and some of the other guys in that environment, will he, will he take off and, and reach another level um, being in that program? You know, he certainly certainly could. Right. Um and, and that's that's the key. Um um and and they need some help too. They they for a team like Ohio State to, to be in the title mix, they they need, you know, the guys like Imar and and uh, Zahid Valencia to step up and beat Joseph and Mark Hall. And they need to, yeah. you know, do it themselves too with Bo Jordan. <laughs> that's right. They need to you know, so and, and they match up the dual meet. You know, and obviously dual meets don't decide anything, but, you know, if you look at Penn State, Ohio State, the dual meet's really interesting because if Tomasello goes 33 and Keyshawn goes 41, Ohio State can win 33, they can win 41, they can, you know, they, they'll be favored, they'll be favored to win 33, 41, 97 in heavyweight. They've beaten Penn State at 84, and they've beaten Penn State at 74. 
So, you know, they could win six weights. If they win six weights, they're going to win the duel because, you know I mean, there's just not enough weights to catch up. So, I mean, it, that's it's really interesting because, I mean, you don't think Campbell's going to get, you know, even if, you know, Nolf and Zane score, you know, big points and even if Soriano scored big points, it doesn't feel like, you know, Vincenzo would smash Campbell and that would be enough for them to probably win the duel. So it's that duel is going to be real. I don't know if they duel this year, but I, I hope they do. And it would be really interesting. Yep. So yep, sure. to go to Oklahoma State, I have them with two guys going up, um, one guy, one weight dropping, and the rest even. And it's an interesting lineup because they had two guys that were really good for them in the regular season that scored three points for them at Nationals. But if we go through it, feels like Piccinini, he wrestled great. But at that weight deep, you add Suriano in. Fourth place feels like he'll, he'll probably be in that three, four, five range. Brock, you know, can certainly move up a spot or two, you know, but that's, again, another deep weight. Heil, you can't improve on first. You know, Joe Smith, all the guys pretty much at that weight are back, so I have him even. I have Chandler Rogers at even. I have Jacoby Smith coming in for Crutchmer and him being even. Um, you know, people probably forget, but he pinned Zach Brunson earlier in the season. Feels like he's a you know six seven eight kind of guy, and it feels like whoever they wrestle at heavyweight, they probably won't have as great of a regular season as Austin Schaefer had. But you know Austin was banged up and only scored a point at national, so that's an even. I feel like they're going to move up at ninety seven with that weight clearing out, where Weigel can move up a spot or two on the podium. And it sounds weird to say this, but I think they're going to score more points at forty nine, and. Anthony Collica is an absolute freaking stud. He just had a bad tournament. But when you look at John Splaylock, Gio Martinez, or Boo Wallen, all those kids have wrestled really well. Gio's a, an All-American from two years ago, or a year ago, I guess, depending on how you want to count it, from 2016. Wallen, you know, could bump up, and he beat Meredith this year, who's a top-four kid at 41. It feels like they can get on the podium there, which is an, an increase. And then you know, I'm looking up and down the lineup. I just don't see anybody at 84 that's going to score Nolan Boyd kind of points. I mean, the only guy that I would think would be if Derek White could cut. And you know, I've, I've made some calls. And I don't. I don't. I think that guy's just too freaking big to make that weight. So, you know, how does Oklahoma State look to you, man? Well, the one thing I wonder is, you know, do we, you know, at some point, do we see Joe Smith take a red shirt and and move up a weight? Um, you think that's something that could be? in the making at some point. It'd be nice for him to get away from Nolf for his senior year, right? You know, if that were to happen, and I guess it could happen. I mean, John's wrestled really well at 57 if they liked that idea. I mean, kind of the crazy idea, and I don't know that they would do this, but they could, if he's big enough, bump Jacoby Smith to 84, bump Chandler back up to 74, bump Joe Smith to 65, bump Blaylock to 57 and wrestle Martin or Lou Wallen at, at uh, 49. I mean, Martinez, that's another yeah. possibility. Yep. Or Gio Martinez, yep. sorry, I said it wrong. Yeah. So yep. they've got some flexibility there. They've got a lot of depth in that room in the middle. Um, yeah, a ton of depth. I mean, yeah. you know, look at what they got at 125, Piccinini and six. Um, you know, well, they're back up one Reno, three. right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Forty-one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They won the tournament. They won the whole tournament. Oh yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So. You're right. Yeah. They got a crazy amount of depth. 
you know, just options yeah. that other a lot of other programs don't. It feels to me like they they'll they'll redshirt fix, and then when Heil after he graduates, it's I mean it's just on paper, but it makes sense like if they could bump Brock up and bump bump Piccinini up. I mean, I'm pretty good friends with Dayton's dad, and Dayton is he's wrestled up in high school because he can, but he's small. He he can make 25 pretty easy, and he's he's not going to get taller. His his mom's a dear person, but she's not tall, so I don't think he's going to get a lot bigger. And that feels like that might be the best thing for the lineup. And Piccinini is a good size 25, and Cage built himself up into a good 33. And I think, you know, if they knew that was coming, they could probably do that. So that's a lineup that'll, that I don't think, however it starts in November, I think it's very likely there's some changes. And, you know, and, and we can say this now, but, but Joe Smith was dealing with a staph infection all year. And, I mean, so he might just be a lot better than he wrestled. I mean, he wrestled really well at Nationals, and it was probably because he was the furthest away from the staph infection he had the whole time. So, you know, he's a guy that could just make, make a leap just based on health. So let's go to your Hawkeyes. They were fourth. I see them picking up points at 41 with Vince Turk. I see them picking up points at 65 with Marinelli, and I see them picking up points at heavyweight with Stoll. Um, I see them kind of holding ground with Sorensen, Kemmerer, uh, Caleb Young. I mean, Alex Meyer, again, was a returning All-American, but only scored two points at Nationals. I feel like Caleb Young, you know, can certainly stay in that range. And I, you know, looking at it and doing the interview with Brands, I think Holloway will probably be the guy at 97. And Wilkie had a remarkable tournament in getting to the round of 12, but he only scored two points. I think certainly Holloway can do that. And then I think, and it, it's not rocket science, but they're going to lose a lot of points at 25, 33, and 84. It looks like Wilkie will be the guy at 84 unless they, you know, wrestle Jacob Warner right away. And then you'd probably know, is it Wagner and Philip uh, Locks at, at 33, or who are the front runners at those two weights? That would be my guess that those two would would be front runners at 25, 33. I mean, you, you look at Spencer Lee coming off um, ACL repair um, going into his freshman season. I, I don't know if um, if they're going to really push the throttle on on trying to get him back in a huge hurry, and um, just hasn't been their mode of operation, you know, in the past, particularly with with freshmen and. Right. Uh, so I, I think those would be the two that that you would look to as is probably being being front runners at twenty five thirty three. Yeah, so I think it's unrealistic to expect those guys to score anywhere close to thirty seven and a half points, which is what they got this year. So it feels like Iowa's going to pull back. Then if you go to the last team in the top five, which was Mizzou, which had an unbelievable tournament, um, it feels like they'll probably. To me, the one way I think they can pick up points is 33 with Ernesty. I just think he's going to continue to get better, and there was some graduation there. And he feels like a guy who could get on the podium, and if he does, that's at least a four-point jump for them. Um, it feels like they'll probably stay the same at 25. I mean, I don't know what was wrong with Barlow McGee this year. I don't know if they're going to wrestle him or Acid or, or Jack Punky, who was, who was in my meet, but they scored zero. I don't see them scoring more than three or four, but you know, probably an improvement. Feels like Jaden Ironman is going to probably stay the same just because that weight's so deep. 
Lavalley, you know, you got to give him credit. You know, the he'll he can try to match that finish. Daniel Lewis, the same thing. And then seventy four and eighty four for them is really up in the air. I mean, they can do a lot of things. I've heard Lavalley can make forty nine. I know they really like Connor Flynn. I want to try to get him into the lineup. And he came out of high school and he was a fifty seven pounder. Really, they wrestled him at sixty five at West Virginia. Um. You know, there's rumors that maybe Flynn goes 65 and Lewis goes to 74. There's rumors the other way around that Flynn's going to go up and maybe Wisman goes up. And I've heard a lot of people say that Miklas is going to go up to 97, which I think he'll place, but it's just you can't say he's going to score 24 points like uh, Jaden Cox did. And then, you know, it feels like at heavyweight, you know, they qualified and didn't score and it would take – you know, a significant leap for them to do a lot better than that. So it feels like they're probably going to fall back too. You know, what are your thoughts on, on the Mizzou lineup? Well, I do know this. I, I know um, it felt like all hell was breaking loose within that program, like all season long, um, just from an injury standpoint, beginning, you know, with Willie Miklas tearing his, um, tearing up his knee in the first dual meet of the season. And um, just, you know, guys moving around, uh, Ironman not, you know, making, you know, making the move from 33 up to 41, just um, a lot of moving parts. They got it together late and wrestled a great um, Mac tournament and followed that up and wrestled great in St. Louis as well. I think it's, you know, it's a program with a lot of depth too. And so, uh, you know, I, one thing about it, Missouri seems to find guys um, and, and they've, they've done a tremendous job. Like you, you don't, you rarely hear of Missouri like knocking it out of the park and recruiting, um, landing blue chipper after blue chipper. That just doesn't happen with them. But they get top hundred kids and they find diamonds in the rough and they they you know find a um, you know these guys just they just keep coming out of nowhere. It seems like and and you know becoming like round of twelve all American types and. You know, so you, you can pretty much count on Missouri having a really strong dual team. I, I, I suspect that'll be the case. And I imagine that there are going to be some guys that, that we're not talking about right now that are going to make, you know, significant jumps in the next year. And I um, are guys that, that, you you know, that we just kind of glossed over that are going to be in the conversation right. for for podium spots. So, you know, it's we've seen it happen for so long now that, that you can – probably expect that that something a little unexpected is going to happen from Missouri. Um, I I suspect that Willie Miklas is going to make a heck of a comeback and be in the the race for um, a a high podium spot at 97 as well. I agree. And we just, I didn't even mention him, but Dylan, Dylan Wisman, you know, had some good wins at 74. So yeah, it's, and you're right. Like, you know, when I live here, so you you hear about that a lot. I mean, like I coached against Levon Mays in in the All Star meet when he was a senior, and I was like, man, who is getting this kid? And like he's going to Missouri. I'm like, good lord, if they teach him to ride for even 15 seconds, he's going to be nasty. And I remember telling you before the finals, I'm like, he's gonna blast double leg and take Rutherford down once. Like, I don't know how you avoid that if the first time you wrestle that guy. You know, and he was a kid that wasn't on anybody's radar and he, he became a three time all American and a finalist. So you're right. Yeah, they they're, exceptional. Good they're, they're exceptional at, at finding and developing um guys that are a little off the radar. I agree. 
I agree completely. Yeah. So, you know, next week I know we will have plenty to cover, but we'll cover, you know, probably Virginia Tech, Minnesota, Cornell, Nebraska, and Michigan, and kind of see where we think those guys are going to go. And, you know, probably cover the top 25 and then eventually do our preseason rankings and then, you know, kind of let those evolve over the spring and summer. Sounds good, David. Well, that's um, – is that all you have for this week? That's it, boss. That's it, man. Um, looking forward to watching uh, – I'm going to kind of go back and watch some of those matches that you guys had from the, the Nationals this weekend up in Iowa. and um, Kind of looking forward to seeing how uh, the U.S. Open turns out here in a couple of weeks. You know, start watching some freestyle and Greco. Absolutely. Yeah, you can check out, uh, you know, the finals matches. Um, on track wrestling uh, from the Folk Style Nationals. We posted a couple of them as highlight matches. Uh, Anthony Mantonona, we talked about him a little bit ago. His A couple of his matches are up there. Um, you know, there was a junior uh, final, all California junior final at 120 that went down like to the last split second in a scramble. Unbelievable ending to that match. Um, it's up on track wrestling as well. Check that one out. Um, David's match hat with Nick Mitchell will be going up uh, later this week. Uh, Terry Brands in a week. So check out all that stuff. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll be back in a week. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.